You grew up around Cleveland, right? Yep. Go Browns. Yeah. And uh, those Indians. Yeah. Cavs, Indians, Browns, Buckeyes. Yeah, they all stink. (laughs) Welcome to WCSU 411, a podcast about interesting people and achievements at Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz, and today we are recording on the Midtown campus in the basement of White Hall with WestCon's head football coach, Joe Loth. After the interview with Coach Loth, Barbara Viegas will talk about the campus events that are coming up in the next week or two, plus her favorite subject, Tiesto. But first, here's Joe Loth. So Joe, the team has started off really well this season. I know college coaches are never, ever happy, but you must be somewhat pleased so far, especially coming off your 28-21 win over Massachusetts Maritime this week. Yeah, you know, we're, you know, as you look at our record, you know, we're, we're basically tied for first. So we do feel good about where we're at right now, uh, standing wise, but it's kind of funny. You're right about college coaches that, that we, we won last week, but it was almost a disappointing win and that we didn't play up to our ability and, and uh, we were in the office Sunday and, and, and should have been in a better mood almost, but we were like, uh, we, we just got to play better than that. And then you go home and watch a uh, little college football late at night and stuff like that, and you see all the upsets, and then you kind of put it in perspective and say, hey, win's a win, so let's, let's be happy with winning. Yeah, and I'm sure that's what you tell the uh, kids too, but you, they were crushing them in the first, or first half, right? And then it yep. kind of uh, the other, let the other team come back. Yeah, without a doubt, and that's, those are the kind of things, you know, they, uh, you know, as you look at our defense, they, we let them run the ball too much, and that's mm-hmm. what I told the team at halftime, I told them after the game, then offensively, we ran the ball pretty well, but we had to run the ball better, so it's all those things you're, I mean, you know, coaching a football team and trying to win games is a constant, uh, you know, readjustment during the season and figuring out who your best players are and what plays you need to run and how do you stop this, and, but it comes down to some pretty simple things. Uh, you know, if you can run the ball better than your opponent that week, you usually win. If you win the turnover ratio, uh, you know, have less than them, you usually win. And uh, and then you, if you're great on special teams, which were on Saturday, that was the deciding factor. We won turnovers. We won special teams. They ran the ball better, and, and those kind of add up to wins for you. So, you know, all in all, we're excited that we won, but we know uh, we've been saying it since the first day. Uh, we still got to get better, and if we don't get better, we're not going to continue to win. Is that what you were kind of thinking at the beginning of the season, that uh, you were a, a team in progress and process and uh, that uh, they needed to keep learning every week? Yeah, but that's that's every team we've, we've ever had. And we, you know, we got a bunch of juniors and seniors on this team that they've been playing, and you always got to continue to get better and work on your, your craft and, and uh, you know, just, just outwork and outprepare people because there's, there's a lot of sayings in football. And, and one of them is, I mean, you win the game – on Monday through Friday, you don't win it on Saturday. And so it's all about preparation. And football is such a tendency-driven. If they're in this formation, they run this play. If they're in this defense, uh, you know, if they're in this look, they run this defense. So there's so much preparation put in by the players and coaches to uh, to get ready for Saturday. And if you don't do it Monday through Friday, it's hard to be successful on Saturday. Sure. you got to pre- uh, do your homework, right? So yeah, these yeah, kids on the field. Yeah. And it uh, – helps that you have Quinn Fleeting, right? So far, he's been a player of the week four times in the Little East Conference. Uh, well, Mascac, not the Little East. Oh, Mascac, yeah. yeah. Sorry. So that's pretty good, right? 
Yeah, Quinn's been great. You know, he, you know, and and he he wants to win and he works at it. And uh, you know, he he really started off slow last year. He'll tell you, and then finished strong and wanted to build off that. And he really put a lot of work in the off season. And we've done some things offensively, hopefully to enhance his skill set. And and uh, and he's been tremendous. And we obviously wouldn't be where we're at if it wasn't for Quinn. You recruited him from Windsor High School, right? Well, well, it's longer path than that. You know, he's hmm. he's an interesting story that he was a he he went to Central Connecticut out of Windsor High School. His dad's a great high school coach in the state of Connecticut. Wins a lot of state championships at Windsor, and then wasn't playing at Central, and he actually transferred to Assumption, and uh, you know, and once again he he was competing and didn't win the starting job, and and uh, then he transferred to us. And sometimes you get nervous as a coach when a kid. Uh, you know, why is he always transferring? But ultimately, when you sit down and talk to him and he's just the coach, I just want to play. I just want an opportunity. And, and uh, so he was he was not the easiest path here. He was a long way of getting here, but we're excited he got here. Yeah, no kidding. Isn't Assumption uh, Division One also? D- Division Two. No, Division Two. Uh, so it's good for him, though. He didn't get um, disappointed. He kept trying to figure out a way to get on the field. Yeah, without a question. He came here, and, and he, the job wasn't given to him. We had a couple other kids. He had to beat some people out. And uh, like I said, he's gotten better. I mean, he's really he's really a, a, a solid quarterback, but with a really high football IQ, too. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Octavius McCoy that way, your uh, great running back? He started somewhere else, too. Yeah, you know, but his was a different path. He started at a junior college. Uh-huh. Like he Academically, he had a couple of challenges coming out of high school. He did great here. But he, uh, so he had to go to junior college. So it wasn't like, like, like he went somewhere and, and could have stayed. He had to kind of look for the next school when he go to a junior college. Mm-hmm. So when you're recruiting, I imagine you're kind of hoping to find people like that, like uh, Quinn and Octavius, that yeah. you can. Uh... Without a doubt, you know when when, you know, sixty percent of winning football games just having better players. If mm-hmm. you got better players than them, uh, you know, a lot of times you're just going to win the game if you have a lot better talent. But if, if talent's pretty equal, then it comes down to the coaching and all that other stuff. But, uh, you know, it was, what was interesting is Will Arndt's senior year, he had a year very similar to what Quinn's having now. Mm-hmm. And then his senior year ended in, in the fall, and we had five transfer quarterbacks email me like two weeks after our season ended looking for that next opportunity because once again, quarterbacks that unique position where only one guy plays on a team, and uh, so if they're not playing on their team and they really want to play, they're going to try to look for the next school that potentially there's an opportunity. And when you graduate a senior quarterback, and Will was very similar to to, to Quinn, he was probably fifth in the country in quarterback efficiency and, and yards and stuff. So, so it's interesting the quarterback position and trying to find those guys. Yeah, how do you figure it out when you get five guys uh, uh, emailing you? Uh, I guess you just look at start looking at the stats and talking to them, right? Well, yeah, you just visited, and I think we visited four. And one was a starting quarterback at another college the year before. Mm-hmm. You know, he and, and really you start visiting him, and then you start thinking, well, I, I don't know if we want all five of these, but we better get one of them. And who's the best one? And then who are the best two? We ended up getting two of them, and they're both really good players. And uh, but then when it comes down to it, then at the end of the process you got to be honest with them. Hey, listen, if you're coming here, understand there's another kid transferring in too, so you don't want kids to show up and say, Coach, you never told me that guy was going to be here. Right. So so it's definitely there's a process to recruiting those kids, but there, you also have to have an honesty about it so kids aren't you know being lied to when they show up and all of a sudden there's other kids there that, that weren't on the roster and transferred in with them. 
But that's a better policy, right? You're, uh, then the student athletes trust you. They know what they can expect from you. They aren't, uh, you aren't undermining them. I imagine it's tough dealing with uh, young athletes, young people all the time uh, on such a you know, close um, um, level. They really are depending on you. You're depending on them. It's Without a doubt, there's, there, there's definitely a, what I call a psychology to coaching. You know, it's being able to, uh, you know, psychologically deal with kids and motivate them and, and figure out when they're having a bad day, good day, when, when they're down because of football. And we got 120 guys in our team and only 22 start. So mm-hmm. there's 100 kids in some ways ain't very happy with me sometimes. And and uh, hopefully you can kind of understand the process to coach and understand what they're going through. And, and some kids realize I'm just not good enough. Some kids don't, don't understand. And some kids – potentially should be playing and we just haven't identified them talent wise yet. So there's a whole, it's not easy as far as that in football with the numbers, there's always kind of something going on and, and you're always trying to put out a fire here or, or kind of massage the ego here or just not, or just not hey, we're not, we're done dealing with this kid because he just doesn't understand and can't, can't figure it out. So it's, it's kind of hopefully a meet in the middle sometimes with the players and, but me understanding that hey, where they're coming from too. All right. Plus, you got these 22 who are starting, more or less, and yeah. uh, you got to pay attention to them and get them going, too. Without a question. And it's, it's all about, and, and you know, we got a couple of guys banged up this week, and, and one of them's like, he's awesome. He's like, Coach, I ain't hurt, but he's hurt a little bit. Yeah. And he wants to practice and do everything. I'm like, I'm like, listen, hey, it's all about Saturday at this point. We got to get you through the week. You got to be mentally and physically prepared, but you can't take a step back injury wise because you're not, not saying that you're hurt. When you are a little banged up, but it's but that's what you want. If your coach I ain't hurt, I'm just so it's you yeah. know it's always it's always something different. Yep. So how much of a difference does it make to have this one star player? I guess Quinn's your star this year. You had Oct- Octavius before. You had Will Arndt. Is that what you need to have um, to bring a team together, or is it sometimes better to have uh, 22 guys who are playing just a little bit above average uh, that well, uh, together? Well, the thing on offense is we have – Quinn is the name of our offense. We have some very talented guys on offense, and I wouldn't say Quinn is our – he may be our most talented or one of our most talented, but we've got really talented, talented receivers – our most talented guy may be our, our, our starting guard on offense, Mike mm-hmm. Breon, just pure talent. Mm-hmm. So I, I so I think Quinn's the face of our program, but I don't think it's it's a one-man show by any means as far as uh, even within our team. I don't think anybody looks at Quinn and says, man, he is the best player by far and no one else can play. I think we have some guys probably equally as talented as him. Just, they're just names. You know, it's Jawad Chisholm, it's Dwayne Gary, it's Michael Breon, it's – it's all these guys that kind of play week in and week out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but because they're not the quarterback, you just don't know them as well. And then Octavius was so good and his numbers were, were nationally known. Mm-hmm. He became that guy that probably was without a question, the, the, you know, the best player on our team. Yeah. So you have to work with that too. I imagine keep everybody yeah. happy, especially with receivers and running backs and, you know, because one time a receiver may catch three passes for 80 yards, and the next week he may catch six, and the next week he may catch one. But we have five good receivers mm-hmm. that, that we're, we're not – I mean, every week it's a little bit different who's getting it. So I know sometimes those guys get a little discouraged. And, uh, you know, it's all, all part of that psychology of coaching a little bit. Right. And that's what helps uh, the quarterback too, right? If you have five good receivers, that helps. And if you look at our stats every week, I mean, the ball is going to all five of them. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so at least it's not a one-man show. We were, we were for a while, we were a one-man show with Will Arndt a little bit, with Connor Falaguera was a really good receiver for us. We, we definitely have more depth and talent for, from all five of our receivers that we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. And the whole year, you're five and one. The year kind of is a reflection of that, right? Yeah, hopefully offensively, you know, that we've been, you know, successful. And, and uh, we just, we've had, you know, out of our six games, we've played great four times. We've played okay twice offensively. So, that, and that's the discouraging part of last Saturday's game is how do you, how do you play great every week? You know, right. we're, that, that's our constant struggle and battle. We're, we're trying to get, try to be perfect every week. <laughs> and that's the way it is every year, isn't it? I mean, does that yeah. ever change? Never, never changes. And what happened with uh, against UMass Dartmouth? Well, you know, and it was just one of those games where Quinn was a little bit off, not that much off. Uh, they they gave us certain scenarios that that we had a chance to make big plays. Like we had in the first, you know, quarter, we had three opportunities to score touchdowns, mm-hmm. and we just kind of missed on them. And then uh, it became a, kind of a battle back and forth. And in the second half, they kind of lined up and just kind of ran the ball on us. Mm-hmm. And, and we didn't get the ball back on offense. We only got it back four times. And then we had a chance to win it with like five minutes left in the game. Uh, we had Khalil Patterson had a great play, uh, took the ball down to the one-yard line with mm-hmm. like five minutes left. And then Kyle McKinnon, who was our, our, our best you know top-rated running back, got hurt for the season, for the year after week three, big number 20 nine last year, number two this year. And then we had the ball, you know, first and goal in the one with a chance really to win the game, and we fumbled it and lost the ball because Kyle was out, Khalil was in, running a play. They hadn't practiced in probably enough times. Mm-hmm. It just came came down to that where we, we didn't take advantage of the big opportunities, and then we didn't take care of the ball, you know, at the very end. So obviously very disappointing loss. And, you know, offensively and then defensively, like I said, they just they were able to control the clock and the ball in the second half and, and uh, if you can't stop the run, like we talk all the time, it's hard to win football games. Yeah. That's one of the things about sports, right? You're not, never going to win every game. And uh, it's. Unless you're, unless you're Mount Union College in Ohio. Right. <laughs> and it's disappointing when you lose. I mean, you just can't get around that. It's just tough. But, but you know what's, what's funny about football more than any sport? Like, we only play 10 games a year. Hmm. You know, you literally. We work six days a week for one game. So there's so much you put into one game. And if you win, and here's what's what's tough as a a football player, a football coach, especially probably a coach more than a player, you put all this time into it. And if you win, you're like, great, we won. But if you lose, you're like, oh. Like like losing is ten times worse than the thrill of victory. The the agony of defeat is ten times worse than even the thrill of victory. So – because you just expect to win. You win, you kind of pump your fist, like, yeah. But if right. you lose, it's almost like the end of the world, it feels like sometimes. But it takes two or three days to recover as a coach when you lose. Yeah. So you got to take care of yourself, too. Yeah, that's part of it is just trying to. And I got a great wife when it comes down to that. And and uh, she kind of understands, you know, it's going to be a rough couple of days. And, yep. But uh, I have a great, you know, for me, uh, you know, football, My both my kids play in high school and football was obviously – our life but when we go home when i go home after a win or a loss it's it's not a ton of football so it's it's a good kind of relief for me yeah that is good you've been coaching for about 25 years or so right yeah a long time you spent uh, three years at westcon as defensive coordinator and um i guess it's the life of the coach you get hired by a college when 
the team is not doing well. So you come in and you're expected to turn around, turn it around, and you've done that a few times. Yeah, you know it's it's crazy. Like my first job, I got hired at Kane University, and they had a 14 game losing streak. Mm. So and I I went there, and you know, won one the first year, won a couple the next year, and the third year we won four. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. but then, but, but they were so bad that, that my alma mater then called me after that and they had one winning year in 21 years mm. and they had an eight game losing streak. Like they lost their eight last eight games and the bottom fell out. Uh-huh. So I got hired by them to kind of do the same thing. And I got a little better at it. You know, we won three the first year, four the second year, then seven the third year. Mm-hmm. We had a winning season the third year there and they'd only done that one year in the previous 21. And then we, then we got pretty good. We made the playoffs in the fifth year and, you know, finished second to Mount Union, you know, two of my last four years and, and got really competitive and got really good. And then, uh, you know, my wife is from this area and then she always said, uh, ask me if this comes open, would you, you know, can you look into it? And I was like, ah, there's no way I'm looking into Western because they had lost like 22 games in a row or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so then I just kind of looked into it and I'm like, uh, what, what the heck, you know, let's do it again. And then, then luckily here, uh, you know, first year, obviously we struggled, uh, we're in the NJAC. Uh, didn't get really hired officially till June 1st, and mm. the last coach got let go in December. So there wasn't a ton of recruiting. They did a little bit of recruiting, but fortunately, year two we went eight and two, and year three we went seven and four. So we really was able to speed up the process even more here. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of been a you know it's it's I don't know if it's an easy way to to, to make a living as a head coach to take over these programs, but it's it's definitely a process to do it. Yeah, I'm sure it's not easy. But now your wife uh, lives around, grew up around here. We got you for the rest of your career, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully, right? You never know as a coach. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. So uh, you have uh, the, your next home game is the last home game of the year. It's October 28th, a senior night. Yep. Right? Expect a big crowd. Yeah, hopefully, right? We, you know, hopefully the, the people in Danbury see that we're, we've got a pretty exciting team and and, and besides just the alumni and the students, it seems like we're getting some some local people coming to our games too. Yeah, and the crowd helps, right? Yeah, we. I mean, we have by far the best when it's filled. Like the first couple of games, we had the best game day atmosphere maybe in New England for for Division two or Division three schools. We mm-hmm. have a, a phenomenal game day atmosphere. Our band does a great job. The the uh, you know the acoustics with that overhang really mm-hmm. I mean, amplifies the crowd even more than it is. So it's it's a really good experience. That's good. So if uh, my producers want me to say that if you can't make the game, you can uh, watch it live <laughs> at wcsu.edu slash live, which is good, but it's better to be down there in the uh, um, uh, atmosphere, right? But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you, watching it, if you can't make it, the quality of our broadcast mm-hmm. is by far the best in the country. Uh, and it's phenomenal what they do with with different cameras and, and all that stuff and because if you ever watched any other other teams, yeah, the quality of the broadcast that some teams put out there is unwatchable. Like mm-hmm. it's one camera angle; they barely follow the ball. It's it's standard definition. So, really, the product that they produce is is phenomenal. That's great. When do you ever get a t- chance to look at it? Well, you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't look at it, but sometimes my wife and some other people get a chance, and they're like, "Wow, that that is unbelievable!" As far as the game is, huh, that's good. I'll let them know. Hey, I wanted to end up with um, uh, something non-football. You grew up around Cleveland, right? Yep. Go Browns. Yeah. 
And uh, those Indians. Yeah. Cavs, Indians, Browns, Buckeyes. Yeah, they all stink. <laughs> well, not the Buckeyes, but the Indians and the uh, Browns, right? Yeah, Indians are right now. <laughs> Except for that choke. Uh... <laughs> well, that's part of being Cleveland. If, you, if, you, if you're from Cleveland, that's kind of goes with your uh, DNA as far as the Browns, the fumble and the drive and the Indians, you know, blowing game seven year, multiple times. Yep. At least, at least the Cavs have won some championships now. Yeah, and they can count on finishing second again this year. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there, there were one injury away from the Warriors from winning it all. <laughs> well, it isn't that what you said last year, too? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, good luck with the rest of the season. It's uh, great to watch you. I'm very happy for your success, the team's success. And uh, we'll uh, root you on for the next couple of games, okay? Okay. Appreciate the support. Thanks, Paul. Thanks a lot. Okay. Yep. Bye. Bye. Now stay with Barbara Viegas and me as we talk about upcoming events on campus. How's it going, Barbara? Great, Paul. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. Last week, I remember you were studying for a test uh, before and after the podcast. How uh, did the test go? It went really well, actually. I got my grades back already, and I did pretty well. Um, it was really tough because of our professor, Divya Sharma. She's incredible, but she's a tough one. So, <laughs> What's the subject? Um, it's research, uh, research methodology for justice and law. Wow. So... That does sound tough, but you're an honor student, so yeah. <laughs> you can handle this stuff, right? Yeah, it was definitely a lot of studying, and it was broken up into two parts, so it helped. But it was definitely tough, so... <laughs> Good. Excellent. I'm glad you did well. Thank you. So what's coming up in the next week or two? We actually have a lot of events um, this month, especially because it's, you know, October, Halloween, and everything. Um, specifically SGI-related, we have um, The Spot, which is coming up on October 26th. Um, it's from 12 to 3 a.m., and it's on in the Colonial Corner. Um, it's something that actually the old uh, student relations, the vice president of student relations started last year, um, or maybe two years ago, but his name was um, uh, Izzy. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. he um, started this tradition kind of thing. He used to do it like twice a month, and it's basically just uh, kids go out usually on Thursday nights, and so when they come back to campus, he wanted like a safe spot where they could just hang out and like have some food and like listen to some music and just have a good time. So this this month it's on October 26th and it's Halloween themed. So I'm putting that together and it's a really co- cool event. Um, that would be cool. So they just come out and uh, they don't have to wear um, costumes, right? Yeah, they don't. I mean, if you want to, it's encouraged, you know, because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they could just come and hang out and we already like hired a DJ and everything. We're getting everything together. So it should be really fun. Cool. Um, also, uh, Rec is putting on the Trail of Torment, which the SGA just um, approved of funds for that. So we are like helping fund them. And it's basically just like, you know, a Trail of Torment, literally. <laughs> it's on the Nature Preserve on West Side mm-hmm. uh, from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. on October 27th, the day after the spot. Um, so it's like a whole week of, um, <laughs> you know, Halloween themed things. Um, and so what do you do there uh, when they, you say torment what uh... you, you go through like a haunted trail in groups in like heats so like you go you sign up as a group and then you like you go through and basically just like get scared the whole way <laughs> and um, yeah and then after everyone's done um, they have food at the west side ballroom so it's like snacks and stuff like that um, so it should be really cool it's a really good event that they're putting on this year since we don't have west conjuring so and it's at night, so it's scary out there at the nature preserve anyway. Yeah, definitely. In the of the night. Uh, they put together like a Pinterest board, and I looked at it, and it was really cool, the ideas that they were having. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pinterest is the best, so. 
Um, and then PAC is putting on just so many events um, for their Freak Fest. Uh, they had Eric Mina that I talked about before um, last podcast. And then they had the Headless Horseman last, last Saturday, this past Saturday. It was incredible. Um, it was actually named number one in America, like the haunted house no kidding, and wow. everything. Um, I actually went to that one, hmm. uh, and it was very cool. Usually you used to pay like $50 for it, but the students just paid 20 and it was like six or seven haunted houses and a hayride. So the things wow. that they're putting out is just incredible. Um, but that one, unfortunately was missed cause it's already passed. But, um, the new ones that are coming up is, uh, Chris Moon, the ghost hunt on October 17th, um, at 8 PM. He's a paranormal investigator. Um, and so it's basically just a ghost hunt around Midtown campus. So he's going to take you around campus and look for ghosts. <laughs> yeah, wow. basically. Um, and then the Evisons on October 19th at 8 p.m. in the Midtown Student Center Theater. Uh, they're basically like a mentalist duo. They're like husband and wife, and they uh, read minds. Mm-hmm. So, are you going to go to that? Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think I will. Um, I spoke to some of like the PAC representatives that are in SGA, and they said that it was just incredible, <laughs> and they had so much fun, uh, like when they were booking them and everything, and watching some of the things that they've done in the past. So, yeah, those are a lot of the <laughs> freaky Halloween things yeah. going on on a campus. Excellent. Um, PAC also has a few others, but um, those are like the main ones that are coming up this week. Yeah, and uh, the there's a couple of other things like. Uh, Dr. Brian Luke Seward, who appeared on my podcast, is going to talk about stress. Talk is stressed is dessert spelled backwards, which is kind of corny, but he helps people uh, de-stress and uh, deal with uh, real life. So that'll be good on October 18th in Ives Concert Hall. Oh, nice. And if you don't, if you're a finance and accounting student or accounting student, and you don't go to the um, campus fair for finance and accounting students on October 9th, Kathleen Lindenmeyer, who's the director of the Career Success Center, will come and drag you out of class and drag you to the Career Center. So you should probably just go in the first place. So there's a lot of stuff going on around here. Yeah, this week is definitely packed, and this month too. No one can complain. Yeah, no, (laughs) they can't. You're doing your job, I guess, right? Isn't this your job? Uh, Well, I mean, SGA-related, we just have the spot because we're mostly like, you know, student government helping other clubs, but PAC is just doing an incredible job with their um, Freak Fest because they have so many events, and then Rec as well with the Trail of Torment. So like, And you want to pitch Tiesto again? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Tiesto is November 11th. Um, tickets are on sale now for um, $23 for students and 43 for um, guests. And he's incredible. I actually just, right before I came in, I, found, um, I got the cardboard cutout that we did of him. <laughs> and I put it together and it's standing in my office. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, so we're going to have every, I don't know if I've said this before, but every Wednesday from around like either 11 or 12 to either 3 or 4. It just depends on like how we do it, but we give out like free cookies and stuff um, and just promote Tiesto outside of the Midtown Student Center. Oh, you didn't um, say that. Yeah, it's, I, I'm surprised I didn't because it's something we do every Wednesday now. Um, uh, it's Western Wednesday, so like if you're wearing a Western shirt, you can get a cookie. If you follow us on Instagram, you can get a cookie. If you buy your ticket for Tiesto, you can get a cookie. So it's uh, it's just like a way to like promote um, Tiesto and like SGA and everything. So it's really cool. Um, and we blast Tiesto music so everyone can like get excited about him coming on campus. And if they like music, go buy a ticket. Um, so we'll have that tomorrow. Um, well, yeah, Wednesday, um, the 18th. So that's good. Yeah. And 
And you it, can take a picture with the cardboard cutout. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. It actually came out really cool. He's like six foot two and it's really large. <laughs> and can I get a cookie if I show up? Yes, yeah. I don't have to wear the shirt, right? So you might have to take a picture with Tiesto, but... <laughs> okay, I will do that. And you were going to call him and see if he'd come on our podcast, right? Yeah, uh, so I did speak to John Murphy about that. He said that uh, right now, like when I talked to him, that following day he was going to be in China. Um, so he did say that we might have to... Um, you know, do like a pre-recorded kind of thing. It might not be live, but... Um, we can do it by phone. Yeah, yeah. So he he said that he would talk to his people and everything and try yeah. to book that. So hopefully it happens because it would be really cool. I would love that. Yeah. You'd be the star on campus. Right? Talking to Siesto. <laughs> he's basically on campus already. Yeah. The cardboard cutout and now he's on our <laughs> podcast. If he doesn't show up for the podcast, you will interview the cardboard cutout. There you go. I'm Perfect. up for that. Me too. <laughs> Put him right here. All right. Good. I want to thank our producers, Scott Volpe and Pete Puccio, who are the geniuses behind all the podcasts at Western Connecticut State University. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe at WCSU Media on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher so you can stay up to date with all editions of WCSU 411. You can leave a comment. You can also comment on Twitter at WCSU 411. Barbara and I are looking forward to hearing from you, right, Barbara? Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot. Thank you.